I'm Jim Cameron, Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, home of Synergy Billing, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, news, interviews, and matters that impact Volusia County, directly or indirectly. And now for the news. Locally elected city county officials will now have to submit more detailed financial disclosure information about issues such as income, assets, and liabilities. Some of these officials throughout the state are resigning from office because of a new law, Senate Bill 774, that took effect January the 1st, requiring such financial disclosures. Now, it requires these officials to declare net worth and amount of income and assets worth more than $1,000. And these same rules already apply to the governor, cabinet officials, and state legislators. Currently, local officials are only required to disclose the sources of their income and business interest. But as of January the 1st, now they have to declare specific dollar amounts. Now this does not apply to county or city managers. And if not done properly, it could result in fines up to $20,000. Florida League of Cities opposed this legislation, say it would deter qualified people from seeking office since most of these positions don't offer a livable salary. But, in speaking of resignation, Daytona Beach Shores Commissioners Richard Bryan and Mel Lindauer recently resigned from their commission seats. Details about that to come in next week's podcast. Next item, State Legislative Preview. State Legislature begins next week, January the 9th. And Governor DeSantis has said he looks to join legislative leaders in addressing health care issues and to make health care more affordable. Meanwhile, Senate President Kathleen Posadomo is seeking to boost the number of physicians, nurses, and technicians in the state. And House Speaker Paul Renner has created a select House Committee on Health Innovation which will review issues related to access and affordability in health care. However, Republican leadership has said expanding Medicaid eligibility, a move sought long by Democrats, won't be an option. Meanwhile, low-income Floridians have lost Medicaid coverage in recent months after the end of a federal public health emergency stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. During the COVID emergency, the state could not drop anyone from Medicaid, including if they're no longer meeting the income eligibility requirements. And new laws that begin this month, uh, starting January the 10th, Florida will expand a list of scrutinized companies where state investments can't be made because of ties to Iran. 
Now, under this expansion, companies will go onto the list if 10% of total revenue or assets are linked to Iran and involve economic sectors such as energy, manufacturing, or shipping. Now, companies can avoid being added to the list by demonstrating substantial action to correct the issues flagged by the state. Now, other changes that will happen in January, Florida businesses will see an overall 15% decrease in workers' compensation insurance rates, though rate changes will vary for individual businesses. There will be a back-to-school tax holiday until January the 14th, where shoppers can avoid sales tax on clothes under $100, school supplies under $50, and personal computers under $1,500. As part of a law that expands eligibility for coverage in the Kid Care Subsidized Health Insurance Program, Florida Healthy Kids Corporation, allowing more families to get coverage. It also adds more payment tiers for a more gradual increase to the full pay components of the program. Next item, Florida presidential preference primary will be Tuesday, March 19. Now, early voting will begin Saturday, March the 9th, continue until Saturday, March the 16th, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That'll be held at the elections office in the land or at the center at Deltona, the Florence Little Town Hall in DeBerry, and at the Daytona Beach, Ormond Beach, and New Smyrna Beach libraries as well as Lakeside Center in Port Orange. And the way things are looking for petitions for 2024 constitutional amendments, here in Volusia County, the Florida Right to Clean Water saw 3,656 petitions signed in Volusia. Adult personal use of marijuana 27,941 petitions signed, and then the amendment to limit government interference with abortion, 28,665. Now, the November 2024 election will have a constitutional amendment written by the legislature It says beginning November 2026 general election it will require school board members to be elected via partisan elections, Democrat, Republican, whatever, versus nonpartisan elections. Next, here are some court cases to watch. Pertaining to gambling, Florida Supreme Court is considering a challenge to the compact between the state of Florida and the Seminole tribe to allow the tribe to offer online sports betting statewide. Two paramutuals say the deal violates a 2018 constitutional amendment 
that restricted casino gambling. Meanwhile, these paramutuals could ask the U.S. Supreme Court to take up a separate attempt to block sports betting under federal law. Another matter, recreational marijuana. Florida Supreme Court heard arguments last November whether a proposed recreational marijuana constitutional amendment could proceed to the 2024 ballot. Proponents have submitted enough signatures, that's petition signatures, to get on the 24 ballot, but need Supreme Court approval of the proposed ballot wording. Meanwhile, Attorney General Ashley Moody has argued that the court should reject the proposal. And another item, redistricting with the upcoming 2024 elections, Florida Supreme Court and federal court panel are considering separate challenges by voting right groups to a Governor DeSantis proposed congressional redistricting plan that was approved during the 2022 legislative session. Now, these cases focus on the overhaul of a North Florida district that was once represented by black Democrat Al Lawson. The state's first district court of appeal upheld the plan in one of those cases. Next item, Saturday, January 20th, 10 a.m., Volusia Election Supervisor Lisa Lewis is hosting a candidate boot camp for potential candidates, members of campaign committees, and members of the public. Location will be the Supervisor of Elections Office, 1750 South Woodland Boulevard in the land. Now, topics to be deco- to be covered. Topics to be covered include candidate registration, qualifying period, candidate and treasurer responsibilities, candidate financial requirements and reporting. And for more information, call the elections office at 736-5930. And I might add, in a recent conversation that I had with Lisa Lewis, it appears there'll be no county charter amendments on the 2024 ballot. Now, there may be city referendums as it relates to charter amendments, but nothing at the county. Next, mark these meetings on your calendar. Now, Thursday, January the 4th, 9 a.m. will be the county council meeting. They're meeting differently this week on Thursday because being January, uh, but then they're going to go back to January the 16th, meeting on Tuesday. That'll be at 4 o'clock. January the 8th, 9 a.m., will be the Volusia Elected Officials Roundtable at Daytona International Airport. And mark Friday, February 16th, 7.30 a.m., is the Volusia Economic quarterly breakfast also at Daytona International Airport. And the County Environmental Natural Resources Advisory Committee, NRAC, 
their meeting January the 3rd, 1 p.m., County Administration Building. The Volusia Echo Advisory Committee is meeting January the 11th, 9 a.m., County Administration Building. The Affordable Housing Advisory Committee meets January the 10th, 3 p.m., at the Volusia Emergency Operations Center, and that's at 3825 Tiger Bay Road in Daytona Beach. The West Volusia Tourism Advertising Authority meets January the 17th, 9 a.m., Main Street, DeLand Office. That's at 100 North Woodland Boulevard in DeLand. The Halifax Area Advertising Board of Directors meets January the 17th, 2 p.m. at the Daytona Beach Convention and Visitors Bureau office at 140 South Atlantic Avenue, Ormond Beach. And the River to Sea TPO, Transportation Planning Organization, meets January the 24th, 9 a.m., Daytona International Airport. Next item. Moving on to Washington, now that the 2023 congressional session has ended, more Democrats than Republicans are looking to retire. And out of 435 House members, about 23, maybe 24 Democrats have indicated they won't seek re-election, and 14 Republicans are not seeking another term. Many have said they're looking to run for another elected office, like U.S. Senate or governor, something. However, a lot of this comes down to who could win toss-up competitive districts that will determine who will control the House after the 2024 elections. The overall makeup of Congress is determined by individual state legislatures that draw district lines. And that's one of the reasons why there are so few competitive races. Another recent factor to consider is a court-ordered redistricting in states like Alabama and Louisiana. And I'm not so sure as to the outcome of that court case that I mentioned previously regarding congressional district in North Florida. Still, some members of Congress attribute their leaving to the dysfunction that they've witnessed in this last year in the U.S. House. Next item is a new segment called Did You Know? In Volusia County's 2023-24 budget adopted by the County Council last September, has a total operating budget of $1.19 billion, and the capital budget is $203 million. And in 2022, Volusia County population was 579,000, up 17% from the 494,000 who lived here in 2010. And while the U.S. population grew 7%, Florida's population grew 18% during that time frame. Now, Volusia's gross domestic product 
was $24 billion in 2022, ranking the 14th out of 67 counties in the state. And the largest economic sectors here were health care, social assistance, retail trade, hotel, and food services. And Volusia has 72% owner-occupied housing unit rates versus the state average of 66% owner-occupied. And according to the latest census data, Volusia's median household income is $61,000, which is 82% of the U.S., the federal nationwide median household income of 74000 And another item I wanted to mention was longtime estate planning elder law attorney Mel Stack recently received the Halifax Humane Society's first ever Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, Mel joined Halifax Humane Society as a volunteer board member over 30 years ago and three years later became the board president where he served for 27 consecutive years. Now, Mel plans to continue serving on the Humane Society board and I personally like to congratulate him for this honor because anytime I needed something out there at Humane Society, I called Mel and he always helped me. Mel couldn't go into a finer individual. Okay, today we have Daytona Beach City Commissioner from Zone 2, Ken Strickland. Glad to have you with us, Ken. Thank you, Jim, for having me. I've, I've been uh, wanting to be on your, your uh, podcast for a while now. Well, we're sure glad to have you there. Uh, okay, City of Daytona Beach. Last September, y'all approved an overall $343 million budget. Anything specific that you wanted to see happen in that budget, per se? Yes, uh, there's several things. I want us to continue to uh, pave more streets. I want to see us spend um, quite a bit more money on uh, improving infrastructure. Uh, some of our infrastructure is is very old, antiquated, if you will. If you remember when they were redoing Orange Avenue, they found wooden pipes in there. Oh, yeah. It took time to, to get that project done. And I'm pretty sure that going forward, when we start trying to improve that infrastructure, we're going to find some, some things that's going to extend the the projects, but we need to do that. We don't we don't have the infrastructure that we really should for a city our size in in the twenty first century. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember that Orange Avenue matter. So yeah, geez. But uh, and another thing, Ken, I know that safety and security is on everybody's mind, so to speak. And I remember that you pledged, I believe it was eighty thousand dollars from your COVID funds for security cameras in the Seabreeze District. How's that working out? Uh, I was over there yesterday. They were doing some finishing touches around some of the poles that the cameras and the lighting's mounted on, uh, repairing the pavers and stuff at the bottom of the poles. And uh, 
you know, I think that project's uh, either either complete or very near completion. Um, part of that $80,000 is for cameras in uh, Collins Park there behind fire station number three on University, uh, right there on the river. We've uh, we've improved that with COVID funds. We put in a, a small uh, dog park there with a watering station and that sort of thing, a bench or two, and and that that park is is really nice down there for people to take their small dogs and and their kids. You know, there's new equipment and everything. Also, I committed after um, we re, re redrew the the lines for the zones. Um, I have I am now the representative all the way from uh, uh, Ormond Beach city limits down to the north side of East ISB on the beach side. So now I represent Main Street. So I I, um, I committed $80,000 for lights and cameras for Main Street. I also, uh, uh, although it's not in my zone, I committed $40,000 for lights and cameras to MMB over in the, in the uh, Midtown area. So, you know, I think that, that that'll be an improvement as far as the, the um, we have the new uh, police precinct over there on Grandview. Uh, I think that's helped with some of our issues along Seabreeze is for some of the craziness that goes on there late at night. And uh, that's improved it. Hopefully the cameras will continue, will make that even better. Uh, it's not so much a, a deterrent right now because I don't believe that, that the people that are causing the problems even realize they're on camera most of the time and it's been expanded. But once they figure out they're on camera, they'll behave a little better, I hope. Well, like I say, want to commend you for that. But uh, workforce housing, affordable workforce housing, that's been a challenge, I know, at the state and the local level. So what has the city been doing to address this matter? Um. <laughs> I don't think we've been doing enough, if you want the honest answer. Uh, somehow we need to tie that to, to development, I believe, to increase affordable workforce housing, uh, not just with, with, uh, with uh, a percentage of what's being built for workforce housing. We need to somehow tie that to uh, uh, maybe uh, the impact fees to improve to be able to have more funds to improve workforce housing. We, we have a lot more people here and therefore we need a lot more people for services and, and we don't have enough housing for people um, that are doing our, our uh, I won't say low wage jobs, but our jobs that just don't pay quite, you know, the, the norm that it takes to survive here. Uh, the last time I checked some information that I saw like a one bedroom apartment's like $1,400 a month um, in, in some places, a, a real nice one. And so we're not, we're not, uh, we're not paying enough wages in some instances and we just don't have the, the uh, people that can afford to pay, to pay the rents that we have because of the income they're making. So we need to provide them a way to live because we need their services bad, you know? And so, we need to work on that, and I believe we'll be we'll be having a workshop or, or something on that soon because we haven't we haven't done what we what we uh, should have done to make sure that we uh, have what we need for people that come here, our support services, if you will. 
let me know when you have that workshop. I'd like to announce that. Well, <clears throat> I'll, uh, I sure will if we can do that. We need to have several workshops, to tell you the truth. But, you know, we'll work on those things going forward. I have um, uh, learned through being elected uh, that government doesn't work quite as fast as, as citizens think that it should. And there's several reasons for that. And I can give you that right quick. You look at the, the cameras and the lighting for uh, Seabreeze. Uh, I was involved, city managers involved. We had IT involved. We had the police department involved. We had uh, public works involved. And once we got all that squared away, we had to go through purchasing and, and also uh, get, uh, you know, uh, agreements, make agreements with uh, businesses and with FPL. So it's not like we can just go down to the hardware store or the electronic store and buy cameras and stick them up, you know. So and everything else works that way, too. There's a lot of moving parts in city government. Understand, understand. But uh, hey, on, on somewhat of a different note, how has the city been? What have they been doing to address the, the homelessness issue? Well, you know, we have the shelter out there that will hold 100 people. Yep. And uh, I'm, I volunteer out there a couple of times a week. And, and there's 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 quite the turnover. Uh, you know, some of them get there. They don't like it. They've been, you know, there's a couple of people in there that lived. Um, a nice way to say it, or I think is a nice way to say it, as urban outdoorsmen for 20 years. So when you put them in a building with a real bed and, and food to eat, it. Um, some of them can take to it and, and do okay, and then others, they can't deal with it, so they leave. And, and uh, I, I also think that we have more homeless people here this year than ever before, and I also think that a lot of them are, are uh, being evicted locally because of rents and, and uh, uh, apartment complexes being taken over by, by investments and, and hedge funds and that sort of thing, too. And they raise the rents and they can't stay there. And the reason I say that is I see people frequently with large piles of personal belongings on the sidewalk that I haven't seen before. Now, I know they didn't bring those on a bus or hitchhike with those things from up north. They have to be local. So, you know, we have issues with that that we need to. It goes back to the affordable housing. You know, uh, they may have been able to pay the rent where they were, but when the rent goes up, you know they're out of out of out of luck. Um, you know, our, our we gotta we gotta have some some better paying jobs stuff here to help with that. Kind of a catch twenty two situation. It really it really is. You know, a lot of people say, "Why don't you fix it? Why don't you do something about it?" Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we're not the only city that has this problem. This most every city USA has an abundance of homeless people that they're trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, take care of service, if you will, uh, and, and uh, get them off the street just in a humane way, not to uh, try to just hide them somewhere or move them over to, you know, out of sight. You know, most people think out of sight, out of mind, just get a job. Uh, if you spend a little time with homeless people, it's, it's uh, a large majority of them have, have drug, alcohol, or mental health issues. And so you, you try to get them evaluated and, and medicated and doing okay. And then you find them a place to live, a little job, get them some food stamps and, and uh, 
things like that. And, and uh, you know, they get to feeling a little better. They quit taking their medication. And then here we go again. Yeah. So we, we need more mental health services would help with the homeless problem, I think, too. Okay. Okay. Moving on to another issue, though, Ken, uh, the city, uh, especially with these hurricanes last year and all that we've had to deal with, flood control. Uh, give us your assessment on how the city has been uh, doing on flood control. We haven't done a real good job for the last 30 years. Um, and right now, I think we're kind of in a holding pattern because of the Army Corps of Engineers are, are so, supposedly doing a study. And I'm not sure where that stands right now. I need to check on that. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, but until we, until we get um, their study back, I, I don't think you'll see much movement with what the city is trying to do other than to to uh, keep people apprised of when flooding might occur and that sort of thing. Um, so we hadn't been doing enough and kind of, we're kind of handcuffed right now until we get, get the study from the uh, Army Corps of Engineers, I think. Okay, okay. Well, Ken, any closing comments that you want to share with us? Yes, I, um, I think we're not what we used to be. We're nowhere near what we can be, but we have got to improve our city and the way it looks. We're, we're getting improvement on East ISB now. Uh, that will, uh, that's going to be of great help. And then I think FDOT will move north from there along A1A to be an improvement as far as the, the traffic and the crosswalks and, and the way the street looks. Uh, you know, we have that decorative, um, I think they're composite plastic if you, uh, of some sort. It, it is in the intersections. That's been in there, I think, of over 20 years. It's getting pretty beat up, looks pretty bad, pretty rough to go across. We need to improve that, uh, just like the rest of the streets and roads in the city. But that's an FDOT project. That's not, uh, not the city. But we've got to make ourselves look a lot better than what we have looked and uh and we improve that gateway that'll help and then move going north on on international i mean on uh, a1a will improve improve things which i think will improve uh visitors and the amount of money that's brought into our city uh, i was here i've been here long enough to remember when we were really thriving and and uh, you know during uh, the summertime during special events how much traffic and people were here and how they were spending money and restaurants were packed. We don't have that now. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're missing some restaurants over on the beach side that we need to have come back. Uh, we don't have much uh, franchise stuff over there anymore. And so uh, all we can do is one step at a time, one day at a time and try to try to improve it and uh, be careful how we spend the, the taxpayers money and uh, also include include the residents, the, the, the taxpaying voters that live here, include them in what's going on and how we're going forward. You know, uh, try to protect their quality of life as best we can and not um, um, diminish that in the name of prosperity. So 
that's kind of where I am with all of that stuff. And I'd, I'd like to see us be in, in some of those national articles, like uh, the one I read the other day, uh, the 11 best main streets in Florida. I'd like to see us on that list somehow um, and improve main street, get some year round business over there. Um, hopefully get something. Uh, we, we have somebody working to try to put something uh, a nice place into the old Corbin building. And, and I think that'll help. I won't call it a springboard or a linchpin or any of that, but I think that will help if we can, if we can um, begin to improve those, that street, get for year round business over there. So. Oh yeah. For where sure. I am with it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the city of Daytona beach and, and uh, we're nowhere near what we could be and should be. So. We got to work on it. That's why I'm in office. Well, Ken, thank you for being with us today. Okay, Jim, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a whole lot. And uh, we'll just keep working at it. Have a great day. You too, oh, Ken. Go dogs. <laughs> and to finish up, look for a new podcast episode to be released next week. And the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which is being emailed later this week. And if you're not receiving it, call me at 566-2140, and my $1,000 guarantee still stands. And I hope everybody had a nice and enjoyable Christmas and New Year's. But at the same time, I'm still ticked off about what's going on in the world, especially with Russia invading Ukraine and Hamas invading Israel. And why in the name of hell this has happened, it's beyond me. But I want to reiterate my 100% support for Ukraine and Israel. 100% Now this is Jim Cameron signing off, saying God bless and roll tide.